if you're a stock picker and you're not wanting to, to, you know, diversify with an ETF, but rather you're trying to find individual stocks that you're wanting to put your money into, the goal is that you're going to want to look at these sectors that are set to outperform and then try and find stocks within those sectors that are that are well capitalized that can withstand a recession if we wind up going into one or have such high demand and customer growth that even going into a recession, they're still going to be the leader of the pack. On this episode of Early Bird, Caden Nay, YouTuber behind the personal finance and investing channel Modern Money. Caden joins the podcast today to talk about what sectors are safe to invest in right now, including specific stocks that he likes. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Caden, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you, Stephen? Doing wonderful. Thank you. I'm very excited. We're going to talk about the sectors that are safe to invest in right now. It's, you know, it's the summer 2022. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a sec. But first, Caden, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You're a YouTuber who talks prolifically about stocks and investing. Um, tell the audience, what, what should they know about you? Yeah, so uh, I, I basically just make YouTube content on investing. And I, I mean, I, I cover a couple of things more than just stocks. I mean, I like to think that I cover stocks, but I also like to cover real estate investing because truthfully for me, uh, that's really what started to actually send me really into into the investing world, you know, is I, I kind of started in the stock portfolio type idea. And, you know, I actually had taken all my savings that I had back in back in like 2018 and put it into the into the stock market and just kind of started toying around with it. And I mean, back then, it definitely was just something I was doing more as a, a for fun thing, kind of a hobby, just toying around with it and trying to learn a little bit more about what investing actually was. But until I actually started to uh, break into real estate and kind of start to multiply my money a little bit faster through leveraging real estate. Then, uh, then it really didn't make as much sense to me of what I was doing in the stock market. But once the real estate started picking up and I had a little bit more money to actually be investing in the stock market, then that's when I really wanted to you know, learn more about stocks and learn more about how I could use that as an investment opportunity. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, where can people find your YouTube channel uh, online? Where, what, what, what's the name of it? Yeah, so the YouTube channel I have is called Modern Money, and like you're saying, it's on YouTube. And I'm also on Twitter if you want to find me there. Uh, I don't really do too much on any other social platforms, but Twitter and uh, YouTube, that's definitely where you can find me. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, if you're looking for uh, at It's Modern Money. Okay, cool. So, Caden, uh, right now, you know, the stock market, it, it's, it hasn't been a kind year. You know, maybe we've reached a bottom, maybe we haven't. Some investors are hopeful that things are turning around this summer. But it's been a very rough year. Um, right. I, what sectors, I guess we'll go right into it. What sectors um, do you think right now are safe to invest in for, for investors? 
So, I mean, obviously nothing is guaranteed, right? And so we don't want to guarantee anything at all for anybody. But if, if you're forward looking, in my opinion, uh, as far as what kind of research I've been looking at, at least, I think that there's a couple of sectors that definitely stand out. And to me, those sectors are going to be consumer discretionary, communication services, industrials, financials, and information technology. I know that a lot of people have been looking at energy and a, a bunch of these, you know, considered safety sectors, you know, your utilities, your healthcare, your consumer staples. And in my opinion, those are definitely poised to see some growth over the next couple of years and definitely a little bit more recession proof if we do wind up having a recession. But, you know, if you're looking out at long term, I feel like those other first five that I had mentioned, they're they're set to outperform the general S&P 500. So if you're looking to have oversized gains and you're actually trying to outperform the broader S&P 500, I think you're actually wise to take advantage of this macroeconomic opportunity that we're getting right now. And even though it might be painful today, start putting money into these places that are actually kind of being shunned by Wall Street. Because, I mean, the, the multiples, when you start looking at pegs and PE ratios and looking at forward earnings and the earnings estimates that we're getting on consensus is uh, I mean it's just it's definitely obvious to me that we're we're gonna have some really great gains coming here in the next couple of years and looking into the future with these companies interesting Caden good good approach there I, I I always say to our our listeners and readers of the newsletter please make sure you consult with the financial professionals before making investing decisions but I, I'm curious um, you identified five sectors um, that you think are safe right now what makes you think that those are safe and for how long? Are you talking about the rest of the year or are you talking about a longer time horizon? So I'm talking about a longer time horizon. So this year and even into next year per se, I would say that nothing that you put your money into is necessarily going to be safe. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, even Warren Buffett taking up his uh, his position in Occidental Petroleum, to me, I, I kind of found that interesting. I mean, Warren Buffett, he's a smart guy and I'm sure he's got a really good reason for doing it. I'm not 100% familiar with what his reason is for doing it. I know that energy has been a really great play for the first six months of this year. You know, the first half, it's been a phenomenal play. If you were in that, then you were winning. But you start looking forward and you look at the estimated EPS for a bunch of these companies going into 2023 to 2024. And I mean, even the big names like Oxidolium Petroleum, uh, Oxy rather, um, even those companies, they're, they're set to start coming in lower and lower and, and, you know, starting to shrink. So to me, it's like, yeah, you could put money in there and maybe for the rest of this year in the energy sector, you might, you might have a decent return depending on if, you know, oil stays up. But truthfully, as we know, looking back into prior recessions and looking back in, in, in history, oil doesn't like to stay up where it is right now. I mean, for oil to be above $80 a barrel is kind of kind of weird. And so I feel like as we go on and uh, I mean, even the Fed, when we look in their Fed minutes and even the Federal Reserve is pretty much telling us that, yeah, they're seeing energy prices coming down over the next couple of years. So to me, I'm putting money into these, you know, deserted sectors, if you will, to where people have been kind of running away from them because that's where the fire's at. But there's so many people that have ran away from them to where multiples are just getting so dang cheap on some of these high growth companies that I just can't help but take advantage of them. Ooh, good point there about energy. So, 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 Caden, you mentioned five sectors. Um, of those five sectors, which of those sectors are you the most bullish about and why? So, I mean, of course, it's always going to be kind of dependence on what, uh, 
what companies that you're looking at inside those sectors. For me, as far as the data that I've been looking at, uh, a recent thing that I just barely had looked at the other day from MarketWatch, where they are taking basically what estimated EPS numbers for this year and running them forward up until 2025, it was pretty obvious that the, the consumer discretionary is actually going to be one of the biggest gainers if you compare it to the overall S&P 500. So if you look at the overall S&P 500 and you take a look at the estimated EPS for this year, you know, it's going to come in right around at $227 EPS. And then if you go forward into 2024, it's going to be about 271. So about a 19.6% uh, upside on EPS estimates, right, for, for the full uh, S&P 500. You go ahead and take a look at just the consumer discretionary section of that. We're at 4188 today in 2022, and it's estimated to be in 2024 $65.74. So, I mean, Stephen, that's a that's a 56.9% upside. And I mean, the next best sector that I that I'm even talking about here is industrials, which is set to come in and using those same kind of number parameters at 33%. So it's pretty obvious to me that uh, as far as what we're looking at sector-wise, to me, I think consumer discretionary is just gonna pop off over the next couple of years. Interesting. Uh take on that you know i could potentially see consumer discretionary stocks making a big comeback um let's play devil's advocate real quick so you know if economic um fears subside consumer discretionary stocks could definitely rally there's a good chance of that but let's say all the experts are wrong let's say inflation doesn't get better anytime soon let's say it gets worse um, let's say that there, we do approach a recession wouldn't that mean it's a time to avoid the consumer discretionary stocks? Some of them, yes. But I mean, to me, there's certain certain one of those uh, consumer discretionary stocks that are still going to do well. And I think that's really the key. If you're a stock picker and you're not wanting to, to you know diversify with an ETF, but rather you're trying to find individual stocks that you're wanting to put your money into, the goal is that you're going to want to look at these sectors that are set to outperform and then try and find stocks within those sectors that are that are well capitalized that can withstand a recession if we wind up going into one or have such high demand and customer growth that even going into a recession they're still going to be the leader of the pack and so to me i mean of course some names that i have to mention that i, I love these companies is you know tesla is one of my biggest holdings that i have right now and to me i feel like the demand there is just so dang heavy that even if we start to have an economic slowdown sure some of their sales that they have today might start to slow down as far as new orders they're getting but you know they have such a large backlog when you go onto their website you can see it there when you try to order any of their vehicles they have so many orders that i feel like even when things start to slow down all they're going to have to do is just start producing what they already are backlogged on and I mean, we're not even talking about any of their future products, you know, like the Cybertruck or the Roadster or the Semis. I mean, you look for companies like that, that have so much demand to where even if we start to slow down, they're still ramping and they're gonna be able to produce those products and still be able to achieve their EPS targets. Good point on Tesla. When we return, we'll hear from Caden about other sectors that he likes and how investors should research stocks. But first, let me tell you where you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. 
So, Caden, today we're, we're talking about the sectors that are safe to invest in right now. Um, let, let's keep talking about the subject. Uh, you said we just talked about, you know, consumer discretionary stocks. It, it seems that industrial stocks are the other, you know, really interesting sector that you are bullish about. Uh, why do you like industrial stocks so much? Well, you know, industrial stocks, the thing about them is that there's an actual good and service behind them. And, and to me, I feel like that's that's something that's really nice about the industrial sector is that a lot of these companies, they are they're not so tied into the commodities so much. I mean, to some extent, they are depending on what you're looking at. But I mean, you have things like Raytheon, you know, UPS, you're looking at Cat Wheeler, uh, you know, Boeing. All these, all these companies, they are set to still grow. And the thing is, is that they, they're just so important for the overall economy to function. And it doesn't really matter uh, what might happen as far as an economic outlook, as far as like if we go into a recession. In my opinion, a lot of these companies are still going to do just fine because there's so many different companies out there that are going to need those services that these people provide and those products that these people provide. Mm. That, that makes sense. I could see the, the upside for a lot of these stocks, especially the ones you mentioned in the industrial sector. But aren't you maybe a little concerned about ongoing supply chain challenges or the impact of inflation? These stocks have been battered in, in recent weeks and months. Are, 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 is there any concern about these problems continuing in the future? Well, I mean, the truth is, is that you never really know what's going to happen with supply chains. And obviously, we know what's caused the supply chain problems was COVID, right? And COVID was really the main contender for, for what happened. And, and, and nobody saw that coming. I mean, nobody could have seen that coming unless you had some type of a crystal ball, right? But the truth is, is that since we don't see anything like that coming up and COVID is mostly behind us, I'm not going to say it's fully behind us because you just never really know. I just think that we're going to just see supply chains only get better from this point. And yes, we might still have a couple of individual things in the supply chain that, you know, are, are harder to get than other things. But broadly, and even what we're hearing in a lot of earnings reports is that we are starting to see some of these supply chains uh, actually start to ease up a little bit. So people are starting to get the goods that they need. Uh, the people that are actually making goods, they're, they're getting the products that they're needing to produce their goods to sell to their customers. So I, I feel like we're fairly safe as far as seeing improvement as far as supply chains go going forward from here. Uh, of course, you can't ever be for sure. But from what, what we can see today, I think that it looks fairly positive going forward. Yeah, I, I, I could see why you might be bullish about something like that. Um, Caden, what, what other sectors are you feeling pretty good about right now? So like I kind of mentioned when we first started, I would say the next one that I'm, I'm most confident in after consumer discretionaries and industrials would definitely be communication services. You know, and for me, the way that I'm playing that myself is Google. So companies like like that to where Google, Microsoft, where they have a broad-based, uh, you know, business to where they have many revenue segments. I like that. I like to see companies that have a lot of different revenue segments and them being in communication services, obviously in the world and age of technology that we're in today. I mean, we're using Zoom right now to record this you know things like this this is uh, this is going to be the way that we go from here in my opinion and many companies are already starting to adopt more and more uh, communication services into the way that they run their businesses so i feel like even looking at it through an enterprise lens you know and not even taking into account your your standard consumer but there's just a lot of upside in my opinion when you're looking at communication services yeah i, I could see why communication services are certainly you know, they're advantageous. And I'm glad you mentioned companies being able to adopt more of these tools and how useful they are. But 
playing devil's advocate again, if you're a company, you're trying to cut back because of the recession, you're trying to cut back on your budget, does that mean that some of these communication services, these tools that you've used and adopted the past few years, would you maybe wind down, maybe use less of them? Wouldn't that impact some of these companies out there? I would argue you use more. And the reason I say that is, I mean, if you're cutting people, if you're laying people off, uh, you're weeding, I guess, right, the company. In my opinion, then a part of that is also that you're trying to increase your productivity as a company. And I can tell you as a business owner that, you know, truthfully, when you're trying to increase your productivity, one of the ways that you can do that is through communication services. So, I mean, like today, like we're using Zoom, as I already had mentioned, you know, you can use this in many different applications and it improves, you know, you can cut down on overhead costs instead of going and traveling for a meeting somewhere, getting on an airplane, paying for airfare, tickets, different things that way uh, in a hard time. You can use something like Zoom and we can have a meeting face to face or via phone call, however we want to. And you're actually saving costs. No, you're right. These tools are, are, are everywhere in our lives now and business, personal lives. And because of that, they're going to play an important role for some time to come. I guess for most investors and analysts out there, it's just a question of how much of an impact. You know, a lot of these stocks, right. Zoom, for example, um, you saw them grow during the pandemic leaps and bounds. Are you expecting a return to those types of days? Uh, I, I wouldn't say to that extent. I mean, obviously, when we look back and we start looking at the total S&P or the total NASDAQ or the Dow even, and we kind of take a look at like where our PE multiples were for the for the entire industry, we got very elevated as far as our PEs were. And I mean, we had good reason. We were getting money pumped into the, the economy left and right. And so, I mean, things just went to, to crazy valuations. And I do not see us going to those same valuations anytime soon, not saying they can't again. All it would take is obviously more money printing or something like that to happen. But uh, I do see that, you know, valuations are probably going to stay fairly stable. And so the way that you kind of want to look at things, in my opinion, is by looking at EPS growth, you know, and that's kind of why I brought up the point of talking about estimated EPS in the beginning of this and uh, talking about that's how I'm kind of looking at different sectors is because I, I feel like valuations are fairly stabilized at this point. I mean, could they go down a tad bit more? Possibly, but not anywhere near of what we've already experienced at the first half of this year. So if you ask me, I feel like you just need to be trying to identify companies within these sectors that have good EPS growth looking forward. Good point. I'm, I'm glad you said that. That seems like an interesting metric to go up, to go after. Um, let's say you're a retail investor, Caden. You know, you want to uh, determine what are the best sectors out there for you. Um, what type of research would you recommend that the average retail investor do in order to make that determination? So, I mean, some of the best things that you can do is, you know, you have to kind of find a place that you can get these estimates. And I mean, for myself, I use a variety of places to get these estimates. But, you know, a good place to look at forward EPS consensus is on different companies might be a company like Seeking Alpha. Or if you're if you're a little bit more wealthy, maybe you can afford something like the Bloomberg Terminal, some some type of software where you're able to get these different pieces of information. Otherwise, you're going to have to wind up doing some more uh, in-depth research, you know, and a lot of retail investors don't necessarily want to do that. So for a lot of retail investors, it can be advantageous to have a service like that. But if you want to take the extra, you know, initiative and actually find a way to kind of start trying to project your own estimates for EPS, 
then it's going to take a lot more research. I mean, like if, if you're, you're trying to build out a sheet and, you know, actually have an Excel spreadsheet on something, you might have to figure out what type of revenue segments they have and how much do you think they're going to move of certain products to, to obtain that revenue? And then how are you expecting cost of goods sold to move, OPEX, interest income, taxes, all these different things, right? And so, you know, as a retail investor, that can be extremely tiring. And by no means am, am I or your podcast, you know, sponsored by Seeking Alpha or anything <laughs> like that. But I do feel like that is definitely a very good tool to uh to be able to use to be able to kind of get an idea of where eps's might be going yeah i I do like seeking out but there are several other ones i also use more often probably uh you know that are not that platform but i I think you have the right idea there where there are some great tools available to um the average investor today I, i always say that the concern is that sometimes it's information overload especially if you're you either have to pay a lot of money to go read information in about investing or you just got to take a lot of time to go through it all. It's, it's, it's not compiled evenly everywhere. Uh, there are challenges with that. Um, but for you, it sounds like EPS is, is probably one of the big indications for you when you, you're picking a stock, right? Right. And the other thing that I would definitely suggest that people start learning about, I mean, everybody's familiar with PE, you know, price to earnings yep. ratio. And we, we heard so much about that over the last few years. And I mean, for good reason, because obviously our PE multiples are getting very, very high. <laughs> but I, I encourage retail investors, especially because I feel these guys are the most, uh, you know, undereducated when it comes to learning different valuation metrics. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it would definitely be start to learn a little bit about peg ratios, you know, price to earnings to growth multiples. Because to me, I think that's a more fair way of using, uh, you know, a valuation method for a company, because especially with where you might see a company like Tesla that has a hundred PE multiple, when you look at the 12 month trailing, when you go and take a look at their peg ratio, it actually kind of falls in line with everything else. And you go, oh, okay. So that's why it's justifiable to have that at such a high PE. So I would suggest that, and and not just for Tesla, but for any company out there, start learning about these, uh, you know, these peg ratios, because truthfully, I feel like that's what a lot of people on Wall Street and a lot of people out there that are institutional buyers are using as well. Yeah, it makes makes total sense. Good point. Caden, thank you so much for coming on the Early Bird Podcast, talking about the sectors that are safe to invest in right now. Uh, before we wrap up the, the podcast, I just have one final question, and it's the big question for today's discussion. That question is, Caden, if you could make up any language, what would it be called? Any language? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, my, my, my language I'd make up, it would probably be called... Uh, I don't know. Maybe the, the, I have no idea, man. I've never been asked a question like that. How about you? What, what language would you make up, Stephen? I'm asking this question to you, Caden. It's the most important one of the, of the discussion today. Hmm. Um, I have no idea. I, I think that it would probably be learning to speak Yeti or something like that. <laughs> I have no idea, man. <laughs> Thank you again to Caden Nay for sharing your insights on stocks. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.